Hey, it's Thursday, which means we're coming at you with a short feel-good story from a past guest. Hope you enjoy the clip. This week, Josh Dumel. So you were in Northern California for a bit. Um, how about the odd job you did in Napa? My stepdad owned a construction company. I never had any interest in working for him. I could have been a lot better off. I would have had a job like that yeah. had I like learned how to operate, you know, machinery, you know, when I was in mine up, but I'd never wanted to do it. I was always playing sports or whatever. So California had a mandate at the time to take out all the old gas tanks that had been in there for 50 years that were single lined and were leaking fuel into the soil. And so we would have to go in, this company would go in, take these old gas tanks out, take out all the saturated soil that had been, you know, leaking from these tanks for years. And just like, it was the most disgusting job because all I did all day was breathe in fumes. And I was like the grunt laborer. I was the guy who was up on top of the tank, making sure everything was fastened properly. And, you know, ugh, it was a rough, rough job. Take me to the moment at the Sacramento Mall where you're approached by people. A guy named Hank Ritter, who ran an agency in Sacramento, asked me if I was inter interested in modeling. I was like, sure. That sounds like a lot better of a job than working in the back room at the Gap. So I, I, you know, I took some photos and they started submitting me for some stuff. And that was kind of the beginning of it, Hank Ritter. I think it was a phone call that you had with your friend Bob, who was in L.A., that you know, you guys hung up and four hours later you call him and say, can I, I come there? Because, yeah. you know, you were doing your modeling thing there, but, you know, no models really ever presumably made it, uh, you know, working gigs in Sacramento. I was actually living in San Francisco okay. at the time. I was living in San Francisco. Um, I had a girlfriend for like three years. Um, and I knew I wanted out of the relationship. I knew that I just, it wasn't, gonna work uh called up bob and i said can i come stay with you and of course bob's like absolutely then they already have three guys and they had, uh, yeah, the house was there was like guys there was like four guys two bedrooms it was just disgusting but i drove down there and went in the old ltd and uh that was one of my that's when i first moved to la and you were as i understand it Pretty depressed then. Yeah, yeah, because I was so broke. You know, I had no money. Uh, I, I had like a cart, like a glove box full of parking tickets in San, from San Francisco. Because everywhere you park, you get a parking ticket. And had to call my stepdad for money. I think he gave me a thousand bucks. And ultimately, I was able to pay him back. But yeah, for, for a couple of months, I didn't have any. I was like living on the couch, just trying to. As I understand it, you were kind of at like an all-time low. If there's one moment during that period that like best signifies that, it's what? I think it was the fact that I had already foregone dental school. I was going to go to dental school. That's what I got my degree in at Monet State. And uh, didn't know what I was going to do with myself. I didn't really have any direction at that point. And, and that's kind of when I knew that I wanted to give it a shot. I could have gone back and got a dental school, but I was, I had a feeling that I could make it work if I just could gain the courage. You end up getting a temporary job at a talent agency. You're stuffing headshots mm -hmm. into envelopes and that turns into 
getting some opportunities to go on right. auditions yourself. But then the, the criticism was pretty harsh. I wasn't actually working at the agency, but my one of the guys that was living there, Jim Vitlacha was his name. Jim calls me up and says, hey, do you want to come in and help me um, You know, work? They'll pay you cash if you come in today. And, and where I was like, I'll do it. I needed money so badly. And uh, that's when one of the agents asked me if I was an actor. And I said, yeah. And I wasn't. Um, and they started sending me out, and I wasn't ready, but I did it anyway, and tried to fake it until I m made it, and it was, it was rough. And one of them went so poorly that I didn't even talk about it when I got home, and the next Monday we'd get back to the apartment, and Jim says, uh, so how'd that audition go on Saturday? And I was like, pretty good? He's like, apparently not. Uh, they said that if you don't do well in the next one, you're probably not going to go, they're probably not going to send you out anymore. And I was like, oh my God. Sure enough, I had one more chance to like at least get some positive feedback and I was able to get some positive feedback. I got a call back. I uh, didn't get the job, but you know, it was enough to get me another opportunity. And eventually I started getting a little bit more and a little bit more. And eventually I think that's where I got this mentality that I had to go all in. Like we talked about earlier, I had mm -hmm. to be like completely committed. And the only way I knew how to do it was to like really put myself in these situations because if I did that, I could live in that space. And I remember doing that in an audition for this movie. There's my very first thing I ever booked, a <laughs> uh, picture of Dorian Gray. And I remember seeing the casting director being like, I knew then that I got the job. It was the first time I felt like, holy I can actually do it. I can actually do this. You can't be in your head. You can't be thinking about anything else. You can't be scared. You can't be worried about people laughing at you. You can't be afraid of looking stupid. You got to just be completely open. And, you know, and then from there, it was just one building block after another. Um, all my children and then Vegas and, you know. You end up getting the all my children gig, but your sister had to use her student loan money uh, to pay for your ticket to actually get to oh, the gig. Oh, that's right. I had to get myself to New York to go, like, start work, and I couldn't even afford a ticket there. So Ashley, God bless her, who also had no money, found it and was able to send me the money. I hope I did. Did I ever pay her back? I hope I did. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I have. Um, if not, I'll pay you back, Ashley. Um, I mean, you this, told her you'd give her uh, a plot of land here. Yes, well, property, I, that so. would definitely be payback. Yeah, yeah. But yes, um, she did. That was that's my sister, though. She would she would do anything for me. So I get a job at all my children, which is a huge break for me at the time. The beautiful thing about being on a soap is that you have you get to practice it every single day. I still contend that it's the best one of the best places to learn if you're, if you're there to get better mm -hmm. and not get lazy. It was, for me, it was like, okay, I have an opportunity here to work every day, understand where my light is, understand how to take direction, understand where, how to hit my mark, understand how to learn a massive amount of lines every day and really be, become like proficient at this. And, and, and you can try things on a soap too, because even if you, if you fall flat on your face, you get to get up the next day and do it again. Every day I would try to find something new and fun and uh, risky to do. In the Las Vegas audition and getting caught in bed with the boss's daughter. 
that was what kind of sealed the deal for you in getting the gig, right? Because the creator said that was far and away the toughest scene that uh, anybody coming into auditions could have chosen, and you were the only one uh, that picked that scene. I had nothing to lose. I had to be good at it because I wanted. I didn't. I didn't know what else I was going to do. I didn't have a plan B. And so I took big risks on the show. And when I did that, it seemed like I got positive feedback for that. And uh, this was the first time I felt like I was, I belonged a little bit. And how did that make you feel? Felt great. Um, it gave me the confidence to keep going. And I think that that is where uh, I really started to get more and more comfortable, even though I never really felt comfortable until several years later. Because after, in the soap, in, on the soap, I felt like I had, I, I, I belonged, but you get outside the soap, you try to go into the primetime world and, and like, no, 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 he's a soap actor. He can't, he can't do the, you know, two different things. This is big time, that's just a soap. That was the perception that people had. I was like, that, there's some really good actors on the soap. I still, to this day, feel like I'm always trying to bust out of whatever box they put me in. Do you? Oh yeah. It's still today? Yeah, not as much, I feel like I'm a little bit I just don't care as much anymore. I mean, I care deeply about the work and everything, but I don't care what people think mm -hmm. so much anymore. Um, I think that just comes with, you know, getting older. You just start to care less about what people say or think about you. We'll be back with another positive story from a past interview next Thursday, and we'll pull it from our highest performing clips according to our digital community. Head over to youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger to join us. Thanks again for listening.